When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's your fucking game, shithead? Shithead? What's a shithead? Get off the stage! Uh, my apologies. Enough of this useless banter. I shall be on my way and leave you to converse with your scum. Farewell, dear shithead. Hello and welcome to Unequal Sequel. My name is Dave and I'm one of the two hosts of this electric podcast. And I'm Rich and I'm the other host of this electric podcast. Think of me as Superman to Dave's Lex Luthor. I'm a man of steel and he's rapidly balding. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Sorry, mate. (laughs) The premise of Unequal Sequel is very simple. We ask our guests for their best ever sequel, worst ever sequel, and finally their dream sequel. And of course, we quite often drift off and talk about other things, movies, life in general. And we do like to drop spoilers. So if we mention a film you haven't seen or you don't want to know about, you know, just walk out, do a bit of hoovering and then come back and it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Because on today's episode, we are joined by Matthew Hyten. Matthew is a brilliant stand-up comedian and viral video youtube type expert if you haven't seen his stuff it is incredibly funny go and look him up on twitter and he is amazing we're very excited to sit down with matthew and chat all things sequels with him these are matthew heighton's unequal sequels enjoy do you remember the first sequel you got excited about yes because uh, it's one of the first things I remember seeing at the cinema. It's Ghostbusters 2. Ah. Yeah, because so it's one of my, if not my earliest cinema memory is Ghostbusters 2. Uh, yeah, absolutely remember hiding in my grand's coat when Vigo was on towards the end because I was just a little bit too young for it to be like cartoony fun. Yeah. So, yeah. But I remember the build up to it because I got all the sticker albums and everything and just, I was, I think, I think I'd listened to the audio cassette before I'd seen the film because it was uh, in a bookshop and the book and the film had just come out so they used to do little you know like 10 page books with certain scenes and then an audio turn the page now so I was like so ready for it because I love Ghostbusters so much was was it a cinema trip was it VHS cinema uh, yeah it's one that I think it's the first thing I can remember seeing at the cinema I can't remember what year it came out but yeah they used to have a, in Ashton. Uh, 89, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, going to the cinema when I was a kid, it used to, it's like two buses uh, where I was from because we didn't have a cinema in Oldham for some reason. There was yeah, one yeah, just yeah, out I of it. Yeah, I had So, like, unless my mum and dad took me to something that I begged for, I was more of a VHS kid. Like, I was more of a go to the... the... Everyone has this story. You go to your video shop, but it's not just a video shop. It's something else as well. So ours was an antique store on one side and a video (laughs) shop on the other. So, yeah, basically every weekend I'd get my mum to let me rent two videos and I'd just see all the 
latest rentals and then if there's yeah. something massive on it in the cinema they'd usually take me like I think Jurassic Park changed my life entirely when I saw that as a kid but yeah my gran used to she's one of the reasons I love film because she used to let me hire anything her video shop was like a news agent and I, I another sequel I watched Predator 2 with her when I was about oh. eight years old <laughs> <laughs> and it's so violent and so sexual at the beginning she's like ah. Oh, I'm not sure There's this a is a good one for us. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was like, don't worry, swearing, I'll, yeah. don't worry, I'll calm down when the predator comes, which it does. <laughs> it actually does. Uh, but yeah, so that was like uh, how I got into sort of films of that ilk. And then, yeah, later when I could sort of travel on my own and went, especially went to uni. Just I love the cinema so much. I've got an image of you and your nan going to a video store, but she's there for the antiques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She uh, she loves it, you know. I'd come out with Predator Two. She'd have a table. It's a great, great afternoon. Great yeah. family day out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's having a good time. She can only have the table for a maximum of three days, though. They they run the same rules as the video rentals. You know, you have to take it back, get another one. It's great. Good luck getting the table through that little return slot, though. Oh, she'd do it. She'd do it. I love the fact that there was a company I thought, okay, we need to make some extra money. What's big at the moment? Movies, VHS. No, I think I think the antique shop came first. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right, Am I actually, right? Yeah. The antiques might have done, but I think those I think those shops just spring up, just like like magic shops in a in like a fiction where it's like it's just suddenly there. That was video shops. I really miss the video shop. That's why I like Netflix now. I think Netflix is the closest we got to the video shop. Because in that weird DVD era when everyone just bought the film and everyone mm. collected DVDs. Because like, I used to collect VHSs when I was a kid. And to my... So devastated. I got rid of them when DVDs came along. Like, the future's here, guys. No one will ever want these. Ah. I got yeah. rid of a massive collection. And like, none of my friends really did that. And none of my friends' parents. But like, now... Even though it looks really old now, seeing a shell sword DVDs, everyone of our generation sort of did that. So like, yeah. I'm surrounded by them. I've got them all back yeah. here. They're all under my desk. The next to here, and my missus keeps trying to make me get rid of them. I downsized mine, so I wouldn't get rid of them. Just because simply, like, there is that thing now where that's what you did, Rich, as well, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, it, it's, all mine. Uh, it's horrible the lead up, isn't it? But once you've done it, you feel so relieved. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. The, yeah, the, the throwing away of all the empty plastic cases. Yeah. Just like, oh, I don't know if I should be doing this. Yeah, co- I'm sure I've got some films on DVD that aren't released yeah. on Blu-ray or 4K. Yeah, or it's so hard to get. Well, this is, that's why I kept mine. And also, um, I think it was Edgar Wright talked about this online once. He said, like, if you've got that copy, you've got that version forever. Because, like, yeah. with, with digital now, like, with Star Wars and stuff, it was really weird when they used to do new releases. But now, if they want to change something... They'll just change the thing and it'll be done. Like, there'll be, like, an edit. Yeah. So I know there's, um like, um someone saying about Bill and Ted, I won't say the word, but there is a, what is now a, you know, homophobic slur. You'll all know it from the 90s. And they've they've changed it to fan uh, on one of the releases on Disney, which is great for, like, you know, progression and stuff like that. But mm. it is that sort of thing, like, if you can just change a film because of whatever reason, I mean, this is a good reason, but say, you know, you just... Sort of go, oh, we didn't get this right. Let's do that now. I, I kind of don't like that. I think a film should be what it should be. I never liked the Star Wars doing the reduxes. Yeah, yeah, sh- with Hayden Christensen. Yeah, 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 yeah. That three, three. Uh, oh God. 
uh, why did they Sorry. do that? Yeah, I, I forget they do that in the uh, the sequels. It's bloody horrible, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, there should be something that is just like this is it. Like Blade Runner did it right. They had different versions. Like I've got the box set of like the five versions of Blade Runner, and genuinely, my favorite one is the the last one, like the final cut or whatever it's called. Yeah. But it's still good to see like the ones with the VO and stuff like that. Like, but if someone just goes, "Oh, we have that one now, and that's it." People don't know there's other versions. I think that's kind of, mm. yeah. Because you're not going to get it online unless you sort of bootleg it. And even then, like, that's what I'd be like. My kids would be like, you want to see a version of this film that is slightly <laughs> different, kids? <laughs> come, come on. Come on. The end of uh, Army of Darkness when uh, he goes back to the future or wherever yeah. it is. Yeah. In the, um, the, what is it called? What's the store called in that? The Easy something, is it? Oh, oh God. It looks like Walmart, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. But yeah, it's something like the Easy Mart or something, is it? I like the version when he when he goes back to the shop because that's yeah. my favourite version of Bruce Campbell. Also, um, it's the one that feels like it leads into the series. I think the series is so good. Like, I generally think it might be my favourite. This is controversial. It might be my favourite Evil Dead. Like, it's the actual... Do you think that hit streaming too early? Yeah, I you think... Know, do you know what I mean? And it was, on a, it was on a platform that no one really watched. For, for us in the UK, yeah... Definitely, it was on some. It hit too early and too late for the UK, I think. Yeah, because like it missed all the hype of coming out, but it also yeah missed that sort of wave of oh now we have franchises that are series and it's better. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's so sad. Yeah, I've seen. I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen enough to think. Yeah, this is awesome. But I like Bruce Campbell. Yeah, being, being Bruce Campbell. That... Who doesn't like Bruce Campbell? Bruce Campbell's just amazing. Yeah. Have you ever yeah. read If Chins Could Kill? Yeah. Oh, it won yeah, the. I'm like 20 years old now, but about every five years I pick it up and read it because it's just so good. Yeah, it's it's back there. So <laughs> good. It's next to Simon. <laughs> it's next to Simon Ped book and the extra scripts. For anyone listening to this audio medium, back to <laughs> <laughs> Just I'm behind. pointing at my tip of a room. Uh, <laughs> we're very good at this, Matt. We're very. good I like at it. it. Well, Super Ghostbusters 2 is a, is a great answer. It seems to be lots of people's answer, especially a person of our generation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, first um, trip to the cinema. Did you Had you seen the first one previously? Obviously, because yeah. you're a fan. I still remember, again, like there's certain films that, again, we are culturally like imprinted with. But I remember I watched it at my neighbours because he got it on VHS. I had no idea what it was, but I loved Ghosts at the times. Loved Ghosts. Absolutely I'm terrified. About to say ghost, the, the Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze film. Oh yeah, I just assumed that that was uh, the, you know the, the standard. Yeah, Set, great soundtrack. Uh, it is a great soundtrack. Yeah, you know I like it. I still think uh, when they take Willie away, is it Willie that he's called uh, the bad guy who, who actually kills him? You I did. Think so, yeah. I'm gonna say you did, Willie. Feels right because uh, I get <laughs> I get confused with him and is it Bobby and Robocop? Uh, can you yeah, fly, Bobby? Yeah, I get confused with those lines. I think it is Willie, but yeah, when they drag him to hell, I think it's one of the most terrifying little scenes in what is quite a tame film. That yeah. is just horrific. I think that image has stuck with me. Yeah, I was having nightmares when when I was much smaller. When I was about eight, seven, and I came down and I was with my dad. He's like, "Oh, I'm just watching Ghost," and I was having nightmares before I watched Ghost and by the end of it I was like still can't go to sleep now that's <laughs> so that's pretty weird. scary stuff isn't it yeah rest of the film's alright but the ending have you rewatched it like in recent years no I really hate no. their lives now like they're, they're <laughs> proper yuppies who go into this like clearly like 
they're buying a loft because they know it's going to gentrify the area and it's going to like make loads of money. They're quite like he's quite a horrible person, but because his mm. friend is so much worse, you're just like, yeah, this guy is really nice and cool. <laughs> yeah, he's, I don't think I'd like him in real life. I'm not glad he's dead. Uh, in, in in any way, I just remember that. Oh God, uh, in any sense of the word, but the character. Wish he was still alive in the film, but also, I think he wouldn't have lived a good life. They would have broken up anyway. They would have. Yeah, they would have broken up. He, he was he was fun right. in her art, I think. So, if anything, yeah. that was a happy ending. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I felt like I got really horrible about them. Then I hate <laughs> these characters so much. Uh, yeah, oh, well. that's right. We can get onto a proper hate later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> in answer to your question, though, I saw a VHS at my neighbour's, and I remember because there was like a little sort of grass bank between our house and their house that you had to walk across. It's only tiny. We're talking like 10 feet wide, but there's a wood. Sounds like you had a moat. Yeah, yeah it's a moat. Um, so he was in the castle. We lived in the guardhouse. You know how it is. Uh, but there's a, there's a wood at the bottom of the uh, the, the side, moat. as we called it. Yeah, the moat, where the, the other, the warriors would hide. And uh, the trees would move. That's Macbeth. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it it, uh, it just uh, crossing that was terrifying because even though I love the film, I found it really funny. There's still that point where I'm a kid enough to be terrified by that librarian and just assume she'd be stood at the bottom. So I didn't even look to my side. And I, re- I remember this as it being in my memory: the moon is massive and it's misty, which obviously it wasn't. I've, I've completely <laughs> cinematically refitted that memory. Talking about Redux in it. And uh, yeah, I, I just remember being terrified crossing that thing. But the next day I went back and I was like, could we watch it again? <laughs> but we didn't because he had the Batman game um, on his Atari or whatever, Commodore or whatever. It was fucking great. What is your best sequel ever? Aliens. Hands down, Aliens. It's one of those Great rare time. occasions where even though I love Alien, and I probably think Alien is a better film, I would watch Aliens without any hesitation like alien i'd have to sit down and go oh yeah i'll watch alien think about it aliens if it's on even if it's like 15 minutes to go if a, a flick channel is there i will mm. watch it every time i think it is the most perfect sci-fi action film that has ever been created it's so good it does something that i think this i think weirdly predator does really well that a lot of films always get wrong which is it sets up an ensemble of a team but it doesn't do that thing where it goes, hey, I'm this one, and I'm telling you it through my dialogue that I'm the guy who it does. They just feel like they've worked together and known each other for years, so they yeah, don't yeah. have to introduce their character because you get it mm-hmm. completely by how they relate to each other, even to that sort of middle bit where sort of uh, Apone is like the, the middle management of it all, and he still sort of gets along with the grunts, but he still has to like brown nose with the superiors. And everything fits into place so well. Whereas if you look at something later, which this is generally one of my most hated films. I, I nearly did it as a sequel. But like when you get to sort of the new ones, which which is the first one? Is it Covenant? Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah. sorry. They do it so badly in that film that I don't understand yeah. how they're part of the same franchise. There's a guy, I can't remember it is. That's exactly what I thought when you just yeah. said that. Yeah. I was like, and Prometheus does it so badly. Yeah. They yeah. <laughs> literally get on a ship and meet each other for the first time. I'm sorry, but, like, that is the version of going on a horrible coach trip holiday in the now. There's, like, no one wants to do that unless you're a psychopath. Why do you want to spend a space journey with people who 
you don't know. Like, there's there's one guy who, he literally, his first line of dialogue, I've only seen this once, but it burnt into me. He's like, <laughs> she says hello to him. Like, is it Numi Repose, is it? What's her name? Yeah. When she says hello to him, he goes, listen, let's just get one thing straight. I'm in this for the money and only the money. And you're like, okay, I get what this is going <laughs> yeah, about. You're that guy. He's greedy and stuff like that. And then you're later, die. Then later on, he goes exploring and he's like, uh, they throw up the little trackers looking for movement. The movement pings and suddenly he goes, someone goes, what's that? And he goes, I don't know, but I'm going nowhere near it. And you're like, oh, so you're the coward. You're not the greedy one. You're the coward. Okay. That's a, you feel different to the guy we met, but maybe that's just a, a thing. Later on, they go into a room where the little snake thing pops up, and after saying he's going nowhere near it, reaches out to try and touch it. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, you're three different characters. It's like someone handed in a draft of that film and went, uh, don't read it back, it's done. And everyone went, all right, we'll mm. just read it when we shoot it then. And they didn't like <laughs> think to tie in any of the bits. It's like Ridley Scott so, got so obsessed with making the future look futuristic again. He mm. forgot that he needed yeah. characters. Like, oh, get get. Um, it's one of the films I'm banned about talking about at home. <laughs> Someone has picked it as the worst sequel. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, and we all found out that the person that gets lost is the mapping expert. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like, they all turn up on the on the ship, isn't it? It's like, hi, I'm the biologist. Hello, oh. I'm the maps guy. You know, it's like... It's like, it's like Rick and Morty did it, but they made it alien canon and took out Rick and Morty. It's, oh... Yeah. Yeah. The biologist guy is the one who's like takes his helmet off and breathes in the spores, yeah. and then the the maps guy gets lost, and you're like, they are all shit. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, if you look at the modern world and you think about how corporations hire and run people, that is probably what they'd be like. They wouldn't get experts <laughs> <True>. in. <laughs> they, they, they get some mates in who are just like loaded and just go, yeah. yeah. Can you can you do biology? Yeah, yeah. I'll see the tomorrow. Great. Come on down. But you're not rooting for those ones. The ones in Aliens, aren't you? You're kind of rooting for, you're kind of with them when they go into that, the first base, because you kind of know what's what's been in the first alien. You think, that's exactly, fucking shit. Exactly. So yeah, they, you know what the alien's about. You understand that there's going to be them on mass. Because like, you've seen the devastation one alien's done. You've been reminded of it by Ripley. So like, if you've never seen Alien, you don't need to have seen it to go into this. No. You understand exactly what it's about. You understand the stakes. And then they just have that perfect scene when they all wake up. And you get a little slice of everyone. You understand like, uh, you know, Hudson's the funny one. Hicks is the, the sort of leader who isn't the leader Apone's the guy in charge but he's not the brass you understand that Drake and uh, Vasquez are like you know basically best friends who are just going to be like trigger first you understand there's tension between them all but they're an absolutely unit and you understand that like everything by the time Bishop has done the amazing thing with the knife which is still one of the best things that's ever been put on film yeah you even then get this sort of disruption between it with how Ripley's going to fit in and how she's going to like do a job and how her past is affecting her. I think you've got so much layered in that you care about those characters so much like you say by the time they go down to the uh, cooling station you're like I don't want to lose anyone but I understand I have to and it's just yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one of those rare films that I must have seen a hundred times but every time I watch it I'll see something and go oh my god how have I ever know like have I not noticed that just yeah, I, I'll gush about it all day. Do you think it's scarier than Alien? No. Do you not? I think I I'm I'd watch Alien more than I watch Aliens because I find Aliens more terrifying. I think you're the only one, Dave. But there's more than one. 
There's more than one alien. Yeah, but it's not. It's not shot like a horror movie. So the first one's a horror Doesn't movie in space, the, and this is an action movie in the space. The beep, beep, you know? beep noise absolutely like, terrifies me. <laughs> like just hearing that sound of them when they're walking but in. That, that's that's, that's like the difference between a good horror film that uses like tension and and something to build up versus jump jump scares where you you get into a rhythm of the scare. Like, but I mean, don't get me wrong. Aliens does that thing that Jaws does, which is it gives you those conventions and then breaks them. So like the beep, beep, beep noise, the equivalent of when Jaws jumps out of the water, because Jaws is my favourite film, so we'll talk about this too much if you don't stop me. Jaws is the perfect film in terms of like, it created the summer blockbuster, but it also broke like cinema language. It created a cinema language that it instantly broke itself. Like it, it, it set up every convention you needed in the first half of the film and then completely smashed into pieces. So the, the fact that the shark was breaking so much that Bruce would break down so much meant they had to get clever with how they made the, you know, shark feel on screen. So that's why they've got mm. the John Williams soundtrack that's so much more powerful because you don't see the shark, but you're aware of its presence because of the dun, 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 dun. That chunning jump scare is the first time the shark appears without the music. So it's got such an impact because you, by that point, are so used to associating the shark with what you hear and don't see that you're like, I understand this. And the same with like the trackers and aliens. When they come through the walls and he's doing like, that's in the fucking room, man. Oh, you ugh. understand like the convention of it. So to break the convention in terms of like, they don't follow our physical space, you suddenly realize that these things are so much worse than you thought. And you're all, and putting that in a part where they're already in the back foot is incredible. It's like, it's yeah, just, yeah. it's just understanding your law and your cinema language and going, Right. How do we one contain it, and then how do we use it to to you know break this group and break everything you've already think you understand? And it's just it's just good filmmaking. When did you first see it? Aliens. When, I don't. I don't. What age? I, I think appropriate I, age. Genuinely, or... think it was one that my grand let me rent. Uh, yes, <laughs> grand. Genuinely, but I remember watching it with my mum, and I remember watching it in the daytime. Weirdly, because the only reason I remember this is because at the end when the queen is is ejected from the airlock i was young enough to go to the window and look to see if it was fallen into the garden so i'm very young like young enough for that to be my logic but like probably not old enough to watch it but yeah it's great absolutely Amazing. great i think for me like aliens it makes me more anxious so i'm more kind of i'm more anxious about what's going to happen to newt and you know what's you know that kind of that, that anxiety kind of feeling, yeah. whereas Alien, the first one, has the is the scarier one. You know, that's that kind of it doesn't quite have the foreboding kind of anxiousness, yeah. but it has the jump scare, and that's why I think like that's the difference for me. But again, a- but, Alien is the same premise as again. It has a group of people, and you know exactly how they fit, which is weird because in that one, Rip- Ripley is the middle management, and you know it is a film about class, mm. very weirdly about. 70s class it's also body horror like there's a really interesting thing in horror about how horror follows the time it's interesting to see films like that and the fly appear when you've got things like the aids epidemic coming up because horror suddenly becomes about what's internal what's in the body and that Hmm. whole era of sort of um what does become sort of uh video nasties comes from a time where yeah suddenly you know everyone is more paranoid about what's inside than outside so it's a really interesting film to see from a sort of cultural point because it sort of just hits the beginning wave of what is to come and it's so sort of like 
it's such a landmark film to change sort of thing because it is a horror film it is a sci-fi but it's different because it is I remember getting compared to The Birds a lot and I completely get that because it is a film of tension opposed to Mm. action and and jumps which is what Aliens does they see the potential of the creature over the we need to repeat what we did last time they go right this is what one can do what can loads do how do we match the sort of force of loads of them we need military we need guns we need weapons you know and it's again it's great because you isolate them in a sort of little contained sort of colony so it is a case of like they do that thing that they have to do with phones now they go how do we make sure that people can't get to the outside world okay we have to remote the ship down because of what's happened over there so they completely trap these people and put them on the back foot it's just again it's just great like I understand my situation. I understand what I need to do here. Whereas now, when you get to the Prometheus and the Covenant, it's kind of like someone's rang someone up and go, hey, do you want to come to my house and play Aliens? Yeah, sure. And that's how it feels like. <laughs> Does it feel like... Because I have a real soft spot for Alien 3. I really love Alien 3. And I know that's like controversial for a lot of people. But I think it's a good film. I think it just suffered from so many rewrites. Like, if you go on the internet, there's so many versions that didn't exist that are amazing. Mm. Like, there's... Um, Audible, if you're into Aliens, has some amazing things. So they have the Alien 3 as an Audible now, which was the one where Hicks was going to be the sort of main character and what happens directly after Aliens. So it focuses less on Ripley and more on Hicks. And they go to a station and obviously there's Aliens and it's about escaping the station. And Michael Bean comes back for the Audible and it's brilliant. And if you're an Alien fan... Oh, really? Yeah, it's really good to listen to because it's... It's a brilliant thing. And they did at one point look at rebooting the franchise as if um, Alien 3 was a coma dream and to go back to that idea. But then there's the other side of that, which it's still, again, everything goes a little bit into it, but never makes it. There's there's a a version of it where, I think it's the version before the the one that we see, where they were supposed to crash land on a wooden planet. Yeah. And it was monks. And that's why there's so much religion in it. So they changed the monks to prisoners, but they idea of religion came through the idea that it was supposed to be this sort of thing that again becomes weirdly at the forefront of all the new ones this idea of like god and you know creation and all that stuff so they obviously were playing with that idea underneath it all but yeah it just alien 3 becomes this weird sort of thing but as a fincher film i think it stands up and i don't know why people hate i can never understand why people he doesn't like it i know he doesn't i don't understand though (laughs) i think i think it's yeah i think James Cameron didn't like it either, did he? No. And he he got he was very angry they killed Newt. I think that was the. Yeah. Well, you would be, wouldn't you? You you you. That spent a lot of time setting that up. Yeah, I think that was their mistake. Was they didn't realize how much people loved Aliens. So to see mm. two characters be just thrown away, I think it's really hard to get over. Yeah. yeah. Because they they earn their right to at least be killed on screen but there is a, that I, so weirdly i interviewed michael bean a few years ago and uh, Amazing. he was saying that one of the things that stops them being in it was the contracts and he asked for more money and in the end they uh they did they said no like, no we'll just replace you and uh <sighs> so in the end because they used his likeness he ended up getting paid what they would have paid him for the film for his likeness because his lawyers were, and his agent <laughs> was so good so there is a whole thing. So about, they could have had him. <laughs> but this is this is why I hate Alien Three as well as love it. I love it as a film. I think is really good in terms of what they did. But at the same time, it's that horrible thing of the studio stepping in and and taking something 
out of it. Like always yeah. focus on your story, always yeah. focus on your character. That's something that Alien Three doesn't feel like it has is yeah. studio interference. Which, to be honest, every other Alien film after Aliens feels like it has yeah. that attached to it. Aliens. Well, it's James Cameron, and I don't think he'd allow any studio interference at all. Yeah. And reading about it and watching the special features about Aliens, I'm amazed it's as good as it is. Yeah. Because it's it's famous that he didn't get on with the uh, the, the British crew from a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, which is... Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> I've forgotten about that. Again, it's, it's weird when you, you look at Alien 3 compared to Alien and Aliens. The thing about Alien 3, which is where I think the franchise starts unraveling and what we talked about off the bat is... You can't really remember any character outside of Ripley. And that, I think, is where that film does fall down. Like, I like Alien 3, but when you put it next to Alien and Aliens, it's nothing. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's so much worse. But I like mm. the ideas that went into it and what was behind it. But again, you know, Alien and Aliens understands that if you want the impact, you've got to get, you've got to kill people. If you're going to kill people in it, you want people to care about them. You want to feel lost when you lose someone. Like, yeah. And it's completely different in every sort of way. Like, like if you look at the impact of when Ash first dies in Alien, it's so iconic because it's so... It's done in the most normal setting possible. And you know, even if you don't know the convention of Aliens, you know something's got to happen and you know it's going to happen. So they do that thing that I love in horror where they go, what is the safest place we can take to you? Like, take you to and, and ruin that. And on a mm. ship in space, when you become the family of the people you work with, sitting mm. down for dinner, it's the most normal, comforting, we're normal again thing. And then they break it. And again, like you love them for that because you're like, oh God, you've completely tipped me out of my comfort zone. And Aliens is the same. Like Every time yeah. you lose someone, you, you know, like when Vasquez and Gorman are in the, the pipes, they hate each other. But in that moment, you see that they actually respect each other and they like, it's yeah. just they rub up against each other and stuff like that. And again, so you feel it more because you're like, oh my God, what would have happened if this? And you just, it's just great. What's your favourite part of Aliens? What's your favourite scene? Oh, I mean, everyone loves the Newt line. No one will ever get bored of that. And no one can now do it without doing the Cartman version of that line, which is, they mostly come at night. Mostly. Everyone loves that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love... So I love the bit where you, they go, the first time they go in the cooling thing and you first, because the first time you really see how the aliens work other than alien um, is when you see them, like they've basically webbed up the colonists. So I love mm. lore. I love the lore of the film. Like that's giving mm. you a bit more than you didn't have with alien. Um, really weirdly, just last month, I listened to um, uh, Aliens River of Pain, which if you don't know, this is an audible. Um, it's a Dirk Manks audible. If you not into Audible. Anything Dirk Manx touches is incredible. He just did the Sandman stuff and it is one of the best things I've ever, ever listened to. I couldn't stop. But he did um, Aliens, uh, River of Pain, a few others. And River of Pain is uh, what happens on the lead up to LV-426's uh, when the alien, like the Marines arrive. So it's all about Newt's family okay. and why they're out there and the sort of lead up to that. And it's not great in places. Like, Whoever's sort of directing it, I don't think they understand that when people die, people get upset. They're very like, okay, dad's died. Great. <laughs> <laughs> like, for no reason. Like, And it starts off really like where you care about the family and then they're like, we're just going to run it into the action bits now. 
But it's real. Like I love stuff like that where you just see a little bit extra of like why this is here and stuff. Because like that's again when um, Prometheus happened. All we wanted to know was what's that big elephant looking thing. All anyone wanted, yeah, to, to know. Mm. And then they went, "Don't worry about it." And they ruined that by having that first scene. Like that first scene where the engineers are at Earth. That's awful. Like, how much more of an interesting film would it be if it was just, um, what's he called? Um, Michael Fassbender riding around on a bike, isolated in space. And it's about and what does an android do with time? Like, what a really amazing place to start a question. And then to go into the, those ideas about life and sort of like what it means to be sentient. Instead of like Ridley Scott, which obviously got obsessed with creation and God, like you see it in his work and, you know. I'm not dissing Ridley Scott. He is Good amazing. He is amazing. But yeah, like he imprints sort of what he's interested in onto that film. Whereas I think a much more interesting question would have been like, you know, where did this come from? Is instead of going, mm. hey, by the way, this is what you're dealing with later on. That's what the elephant is. Uh, strap in, guys. We're about to meet some characters who you won't remember <laughs> or just, care about <laughs> or care exactly it's just fine everyone yeah. was just waiting for the aliens to turn up in that yeah. film yeah, yeah it's not worth it it's just yeah it's, it's weird it's a great film aliens is a great film aliens is great I, I do i hate condemning stuff as well i hate getting like really nasty about stuff cause it's so hard like to make anything like on, on that level we do say no one plans to make a bad film it just yeah, like life, life finds yeah. a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there ever been a sequel that you the most disappointing sequel? So it's not a bad, a bad film. Ooh. You just built it up in your head, and then you came out and you were like, oh, or you dragged a load of friends to go and see it, and you're like, really sorry, guys. <laughs> generally, is Prometheus. <laughs> it generally <laughs> is. I if you went back through my social media, I was like, the build oh up my was God. massive. Yeah, and the trailer was so good. I was like, this is going to change the bloody game. And I went watching it with Nick Helm. And we still have a a thing about, we always say it's each other's favourite film. And he gets so annoyed (laughs) when I say it's his favourite film. Which, for the record, it's not. He doesn't like it. Uh, But yeah, he always talks about his memory of that film as me sat there going, oh. Just like muttering under myself. And I hate myself for that. Uh, but yeah, that was absolutely the one that just... Oh. It's not It's it's not a bad film, Prometheus. It's not badly made. It's... Yeah, oh, it's, I mean, it's it looks... Clunky. It, it looks, looks incredible. It looks d- impeccable. It's just got some really stupid things yeah. in it, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, run sideways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old, old man, what Guy Pierce? Yeah. Oh, what is that about? Why have they got Guy Pierce? Because in, like is Guy six is Guy Pierce God to Android? We get it, Ridley. Just... <laughs> All you, you know, the thing about an alien as well. The idea that there's this creature that just existed. I hate. I hate. I know it's been led alluded to in the originals. I hate this a bioweapon. I'd much prefer yeah. that it's just something that brings us back to Evolved. the fact that you know. If it was on our, our planet, we would have just died out in the Stone Age. I love that idea. Like, and that's what I love in some of the Predator ones, when you see like the Predator's been here for ages, the alien might have been here. I love that. Oh, anyway. I, I... Oh, yeah, but then you get Alien versus Predator. And I'm not allowed to talk about that because I hate it so much. Oh, oh yeah. you haven't seen the first one yet. <laughs> Are you... <'Cause> I... <laughs> I oh, really? I was disappointed by the first, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. The first Alien vs Predator, I big up, I bigged a lot in my head because the game like, is so good. Yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And the graphic novels were really yeah, good. Yeah, they're really good. But again, and the idea is pretty good. Game name, and then they gave it to Paul W S Anderson. I just oh, <laughs> um, but I am really excited about the new Predator. I think that's a great idea. Like if you haven't looked at the thing yet, they're going to go back to um, the nineteenth uh, century, and they think. It's going to be the year of the revolver that's given to Danny Glover in Predator 2. So it's going to be about a Native American uh, facing off. We can talk about it, Rich. It's a sequel. Is it a prequel? Well, it's a prequel, but it'll be fine. We can talk about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's called Skull or something. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, because there's been too many bad Predator films. Yeah. Or disappointing films. Yeah, again, it seems like such an easy model. Put a Predator... In a place, what's going to happen? Yeah. But again, like they love in Predators, same thing. They did that thing where they wanted an ensemble, but everyone was just so disjointed. Like they just was like, I'm this one, I'm this one, I'm this one. Instead of going, just get some people who grate up against each other, but also want to work together. Like taking people to a Predator planet, great. You're right in Battle Royale in yeah, space, yeah. great. Just to, like yeah. in Predators isn't terrible. It just isn't isn't there just something missing yeah i quite like yeah. predators i would happily watch it but when you put it against predator like yeah. yeah yeah i've watched it recently it's it's okay but i watched it after i watched predator 2 and it looked stunning after i watched predator 2 so. <laughs> yeah i mean predator 2 bad isn't it i don't know you try watching it with your gran <laughs> <laughs> different level different level oh my god i can imagine this is the one where I think me and Rich are most looking forward to talking. I am. I'm very much looking forward to this. So, what is your worst ever sequel? This took some thought. Uh, Strap in, lads. But yeah, I've gone for Highlander 2, The Quickening. Oh, God, I even hate the title. <laughs> I I actually worried, so I rewatched this for the podcast. So this is a Thank film you. that is just been stuck under my skin for two decades but i haven't really touched again because i will watch highlander i'm not joking once or twice a year i love highlander i think it is beautiful i think it's such doesn't pretend to be anything that it's not it is the most joyful crazy watch that it can have but with some absolutely stunning filmmaking like, I, I generally don't think people look at Highlander enough. Some of the transitions in that film are so thought through. It's got the best soundtrack of any film ever. It is so of its time. I love it. Uh, Rich, you look Preach. like... You look like... <laughs> Dave, Dave absolutely loves Highlander. And until about a month ago, I would, I would have agreed with you because the last time I watched it was when I was a kid and I thought it was brilliant. And then I watched it about a month ago because we were guests on another podcast and Dave wanted to talk about Highlander, and I thought, "Oh God, it's rubbish! <laughs> it's yeah. awful." You are, you are, you are wrong. You know. I, I'm, I'm very happy to be convinced, <laughs> but for me, it feels like 15 music videos that have been mashed together, and three of them are very, very good, and the other 12 are not. No. Yeah, compared to the second one, it's it's. A, it's oh my God! G- compared to Highlander two, it's an absolute masterpiece. <laughs> But I mean, like, Highlander, like, some, this is what I love about films. Sometimes an idea is so good 
even as cheesy as it is, it's so good you overlook everything that's wrong with the film. Like the idea yeah, is great. The, the, yeah, don't the, get the me whole wrong. um you know the classic Sean Connery being the Spaniard who is the only Scottish speaking <laughs> one in the film, you know, Christopher Lambert being the Scottish person who God knows where he's from in that film. You just gotta think that is you know you know like I used to have a, a thicker northern accent. I moved to London. Maybe that's the immortal thing. You just sort of get a middle European accent. Well, except he'd got that accent when he was in, like, 10th century Scotland or whatever yeah, yeah, it was yeah. as well, didn't he? It's just, yeah, it's it's one of those films where you just go, yeah, it's it's so of its time. It is, you know, like a music video. It's just got that vibe. But it's just, it's the perfect film when you just, like... For me, I want to sit in some nostalgia. I want to turn my brain off, and at the end of it, I just want to. I want to. It's like eating. It's like eating a good takeaway, where it's the perfect amount of takeaway. You know, you feel a little bit dirty because you shouldn't have eaten it, but you don't feel sick. It's that perfect <laughs> middle spot. <laughs> like, absolutely, it's greasy, but it's exactly what you needed. Sometimes <laughs> that is Highlander. Highlander to the quickening. On the other hand. <sighs> Does everything wow. that I've talked about already that I hate, it takes something. Like, this is the thing. Highlander did well as a film. They had a good cast. They had a good soundtrack. A very good soundtrack, But yeah, the whole premise of Highlander, it's on the bloody cover, guys. There can be <laughs> only one. They get it down to one. Instead of going, hey, we want more Highlander films how do we do that? Well, they are immortal and we do have the whole of time. Maybe we should look back to another era and set it when there's a lot more immortals and maybe there's some sort of event akin to the yeah. gathering. Maybe we should go back and do that. Or we could go forward, <laughs> set it in a dystopian future, have them be aliens, have more aliens arrive, and because the aliens arrived, they reenact the uh, old uh, immortal mechanism... Uh, yeah, that's great. How are we going to skim that? How are we going to sell that to people? Old yeah. man Connor McLeod falls asleep at the opera and we <laughs> Sean Connery just comes on a voiceover and goes, Remember the planet Zeiss, McLeod. <laughs> and you're like, the what? Is that? Did I miss that in the first film? Where we were rebellions together. Oh no, I didn't miss it. They're literally going to another planet. And they're clearly like the film June. Like, that's, yeah. that's it. It's mad. It's the, it's the laziest name yeah. for a planet. Zeist. Yeah. Oh, it makes me... <sighs> How does that work in the timeline of Highlander, Matt? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> there could be only one. There's one. But there's another planet. Also, like, they suddenly decide that... the Like, the amount of times... They quote Queen, but for one line, they literally about forum go. It's a kind of magic, and essentially, oh god, I hate it so much. Essentially, wink to camera, and you just go, "Fuck yeah. you!" Actually, <laughs> fuck you. And they've got like, oh, just it he kills does it me. once in the first one, and it really grated on me. And then they do it four times in this yeah. one, and I was like, "Ah, oh, if I didn't have to watch it for this podcast, I would have turned it off." The, the, <laughs> the only thing that keeps me glued to the thing is Sean Connery just doesn't looks like he doesn't give a fuck. He He's care. having the best yeah. time. Isn't this he? is his Jaws four in terms of Michael Caine, how he was in Jaws four. 
He yeah. doesn't care. Like, and again, like going back to their first law, the whole joke about Sean Connery was he was a Scotsman who was a Spaniard who was clearly Scottish. In that one, they go, "Oh well, let's just have him come back in Scotland." Okay, I get that because that's where he died. Yeah, but every time he's on sk- screen, we'll play bagpipes. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> also, he's magic now. Okay. Yeah. Also, yeah. he uh, he can pay for clothes with an earring. I don't think mm-hmm. any, anyone's going to accept an earring for clothing. And then there's a whole scene missing. Sure, he paid for the flight with his one earring. Uh, sorry, his suit. How did he pay for his flight? How did he figure out? That is the film. If Highlander 2, someone said to me, this is what we're doing. Okay, so the film leads up to Sean Connery going to the airport and figuring out an airport. I would watch the shit out of that film. Like, <laughs> does it have a passport? Obviously. He doesn't have have money. He has no idea how a plane works. Like, it's the 80s, man. It's not the the 50s where you can just buy a ticket. Like, he has to go through customs. What is going on in that airport that they cut out? Oh, it's the future, man. We blotted out the sun like Mr. Burns. Did you? Oh, why? (laughs) Because it's the 80s and we're talking about the ozone layer. Great. It's an eco film. This is one of those films that on paper is amazing. If you made this film and didn't attach it to the Highlander franchise, great. It's a film about an old guy who saves the world, turns into a dystopian future, you find out he's an alien, other aliens come, rejuvenate him, and it's just weird as fuck. I'd be like, this is the most cult film ever. The fact you've tied it onto the most cult film ever absolutely sickens me to my stomach. <laughs> you, yeah. you disgust me, filmmakers. <laughs> It's mad. When did you see first watch it? What was your first experience? Were you like, wow, Highlander's amazing. I can't believe there's a sequel. So along with my grand, I have a a network of old people who just gave me videos they shouldn't. So Mr. Bingley over the road uh, used to have... Mrs. Bingley would lend me some Mavis, Auntie Mavis, we called her. (laughs) She'd lend me Disney films. But Mr. Bingley would let me take whatever. So I saw all of Arnie's films because he was an absolutely Arnie fanatic. And he Wonderful. He loved, he loved just this genre of sort of like schlocky 80s action movies, which were a bit sci-fi, yeah. a bit fantasy. So he lent me Highlander. I obviously watched it nine times back to back over a weekend. Like literally, there's, there's a few films like that I can remember watching, stopping, rewinding and watching straight away again. Highlander was one of them. Nightmare Before Christmas, <laughs> the weekend I got that. <laughs> my granddad, generally I remember my granddad being in the chair. I think I was just pressing rewind for the fifth time that Saturday. <laughs> and he went, no, no. If I have to watch that skeleton sing one more time, I'm throwing you out. Because I was that sort of kid that would be like, okay, we've watched this. Let's watch it again. My little so, boy yeah. is exactly the same. Yeah. yeah, If he likes something, he will rewind it and watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> so that was the thing with Highlander. I took it back and he was like, there's a Highlander too. And I was like, oh. Did he warn you? My... No. Did he, oh. did, he, did he fuck? Just sent me out going, <laughs> hey, Matt, this is pretty much the same as the last one, except you might want to keep your ear on that first voiceover because there's, there's a few little nuggets of information you need. And again, I love like because I love my client side. I love my client side in a film, and they clearly he's, want to he's having a lot of fun yeah, as well. He's having a great <laughs> time. I read about this today. Apparently, he knew he, they all read it. They all read the script, and they all thought it was rubbish. But they were all getting paid pretty well. Like Connery got, like you said, four millions to it. The budget's ridiculous. The sets, thirty-four million. The sets are incredible. <laughs> yeah, 
Ironside went, well, it's my first big bad guy. I'm going to go big on it. And fucking hell, he went massive. <laughs> yeah. Just a bit. That train scene is insane. <laughs> oh, Again, God. like, what is the deal with the alien planet? Are they sort of like future tech, but sort of in a feudal system? Because everyone comes to the planet and they're like, whoa, this place is crazy. But yeah, he knows how to, <laughs> he knows how to drive a train and you don't yeah. see it. But they definitely show you a shot of a baby. Yeah, 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 they do. Also, yeah. who the fuck built that subway? Why is it popping out on a road? Why is the end of the line a doorway on a street? Like, there's a, uh, that is it's really harrowing that all those yeah. people on that train because there is a shot where a baby flies through the air, essentially. Like, I, I see. I remember the, the mum holding the baby. But I'm just like, it is a baby, is it? It is yeah. a baby. Yeah, there's a shot of a mum holding a baby, and then about ten shots later, there's a shot of a baby flying through. No, the air. I've seen the baby flying through the air. I was horrified by that bit, but I was convincing myself it maybe was adult. it was from the planet Zeist, and it was fine, guys. <laughs> Honestly, it 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 gives me a headache. There's also a thing in also, this film. The twins in this film. <laughs> that one that just laughs with his tongue out. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't like that guy. What is it with bad sequels and twins? It, it put me in... It reminded me of the twins in The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah. Uh, and The Matrix Reloaded is a film I'm very conflicted about because it's a bad <laughs> film with some absolutely amazing action sequences. The car chase mm. in The Matrix Reloaded is dynamite. Oh, we've talked about that a lot as well, we Dave. Yeah, that's my most disappointing sequel. That would be my answer. Oh, most yeah. disappointing. Resurrections is, um, which oh, is, that's a bad one. Yeah. So, I get, what is it? It's Reloaded, Revolutions, Resurrections. Resurrection. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, oh. <laughs> that's that's a that's a whole different episode. Again, talking about conflicting. But also hating. Oh my god! But Revolutions, I think, is by far out of those ones the one that really like the third one. Because Reloaded, I was like, oh, this isn't great. But the third one is part one of two. The third one's really gonna make it pop. And then it's mm. got a fucking opening where some guys like, <laughs> love is just a word. Do you remember when the philosophy you put into the first film was cutting edge philosophy? Like you've got day cars in there. You're Bloody giving the floppy disks in a simulation and simulacra, but you're like you've got Baudrillard in there, you've got Alice in Wonderland there, and it's it's all subtle and it's all on the back foot and it's all this mm. cyber tech and you've got references to Ghost in the Shell and all this stuff that's sort of come through the nineties that's informed the film that you've made. Plus, you know, you're the cutting edge of the internet culture, and now, given what we know about the Wachowskis, you're talking about identity in a way that is going to be studied for years. You literally refer to Neo as Jesus three times and have this messiah sort of storyline going on where, again, you're not heavy-handed with it. Two films later, <laughs> love is just a word. Put that in the bin. <laughs> love is just yeah. a word, guys. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> you pricks. <laughs> <laughs> really boils me. Yeah. Talking about bad sequels, have you watched the other Highlander sequels? No, I haven't. Have you gone down that? Do you know what? Haven't gone down that black hole. I didn't even know they existed till this week. When I went to find Highlander two, the quickening, I didn't realise there's two more. There's three more. Oh my god! I knew there was a series. There's a series. There's one called Endgame. Yeah. Which is when the series and Conor McLeod is that combine. Is that when they go back through time to re-establish the immortals? 
Uh, maybe that's the source. There's, there's there's the third one that ignores the. I made that. One. That was that was literally Avengers. Endgame. Oh, that could be a that could be a storyline. <laughs> but in the third one, he has a son, and it's got Mario Van Peebles. Wait, 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 he has a son. One of the rules of Highlander no, no, was yeah, but in the end of Highlander, he's come mortal, so he can have children. I thought he couldn't. But then he got, became immortal again in two. No, 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 they ignore two. Okay. It's like having someone, right. the weirdest reversed in a vasectomy ever. <laughs> I can't have kids unless we massacre a load of guys. Well, you, you think, yeah. Yeah, chopping some heads I off. I got to chop a load of people's heads off and then I can have kids. <laughs> anyway, the, spoiler, the kid dies. Oh, no. And that's that one. I can't remember how it ends. And then there's the, there's the team up between the TV series and Connor. And then there's one called what came out in like 2007 called The Source, which I've only skimmed through, but it is mm. horrific. The effects are just <laughs> I mean, truly the awful. In, it, the effects in Highlander 2 are bad. There are, they like, are, really. but at the same time, like I say, those sets are some of the best sets I've ever seen. I will, hands down, incredible work to whoever did the set design. Like it is stunning. Set design's so good, but the lighting is so poor because they've got they no shot sun, everything yeah. in a blue light because they planned to make the they planned to make the the the, the shield the ozone thing blue and in, and the the uh, the studio said no no it's too expensive to make it blue we've uh, we've done a red one and it's like well but everyone's shot in blue light yeah <laughs> it's so it's so weird. it was so bad the director tried to get his name off it and do the Alan Smithy thing. Oh, really? But in his yeah. contract, this is what we're into, in his contract, he signed something that he couldn't put anything uh, bad, bad press towards the film on release. So they, the, the studio wouldn't allow that to happen. Which is why there's been four cuts of it, essentially. So there's the US cut, which I think is just the one on YouTube that we watched. Yeah. Then there's the British cut when I think it was ITV showed it and they recut it into a different order. Um, and they lost a few bits, so they they essentially cut out the planet Zar out of it completely. Zeist, Zeist. Sorry, they. Could, I only seen it once. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only saw it once, and it made no sense. <laughs> but the British no version sense. cut that planet out of it. Um, cut all those scenes. That makes it out. even harder to follow. Yeah, <laughs> is that the Renegade even, version? No, then there's the Renegade cut. Um, which Fuck is the director essentially recutting it again. But and with no planet, no aliens, right? <sighs> I can't remember. I can't remember what I it guess, says about I that I guess one. if you can cut it and just more immortals appear, but then literally again, guys, there could be only one. You can yeah. only be one. <laughs> you set this incredible <laughs> premise. And again, I can't understand why they never went, well, let's go back through time. It's so easy. You've got all of history. You've got 500 years of Connor McLeod if you want McLeod in it. You know? Yeah. Just do that. He's awful. You find out Hitler was one of the immortals. There's a film. (gasps) Come on. Ends in Hitler's bunker. Amazing. You're the master race, Jack. (laughs) A line from the first one. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got that. Genghis Khan was an immortal. Great. Go through that film, you know. Yeah, yeah. Any. I just, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever watched a sequel that that trashes the first film so much. Yeah, but it's by the same director. Like, I, I, it, I, it, it, yeah, and the, again, the first Highlander. I know you, you, you don't rate it now, but I do. I love Dave it. does. Look, Dave absolutely. Look at, loves look at it. the filmmaking in that film. He has thought every shot through. 
every shot is thought through. Like again, oh my god, there's a transition where it goes through like on his eye, and it is just if if they had modern cameras and techniques on that thing, it would be the most iconic shot of a film ever. Because obviously they're shooting on whatever budget they have. It's a good budget, but they they clearly shoot on film and stuff. It's a beautiful shot, but it just it's so impeccable how it's done. No one notices it. Like there's so many of those like little bits. Sorry, so like the first shot when he's going for the um the wrestling ring. Yeah. Uh that that was an early prototype of what they use now, like football grounds and stuff of that on the wire. Yeah. So it's it's ahead of its time, Rich. But in in, in the same way, like Highlander, <laughs> some of the design in Highlander too is like I say, it's not without merit. Like the certain shot where through the opera, that floating one shot is beautiful. The sets are beautiful. The sound design on Highlander too, weirdly, is incredible. That sort of weird mm. sort of hum from the shield that's always present. But again, this is the thing that annoyed me most out of Highlander too. I can't believe I've not even got to this yet. Jesus, you've you've created. This thing to save the planet. We get it's 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 one of the most concise bits of the film. The ozone layer is dying. We know that the gift that Connor McCloud gets is knowledge, so he is equipped to deal with this problem. He's come up with a system. I don't understand how one satellite can save the planet. It's absolute <laughs> nonsense. It's the worst system anyone has ever designed. And then they said, Hey, we designed this to be indestructible. No, you didn't. Throw a bloody panini in that light stream, it'll collapse. You know? <laughs> it's like stupid system. Like it's 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 the it's the bloody vent in the Death Star. It's like but the whole Death Star is the vent. It's like clearly there's a way to stop this. Like but I do love they got like again, I love films that are of its time in that way. Like it is about the ozone layer, which was a massive thing at that time, like the ozone layer was thin and stuff. Also the yuppie culture in it. They made yeah. the board of this film so evil. Like, what's he called? Um, John C. McGinley. John C. McGinley. Again, I'm just having a great time, like, being a yuppie. Like, Again, do you know what he went for in that film? He lowered his voice to sound like Orson Welles. Oh, wow. That was his, that was <laughs> his thinking. And again, yeah. like, he, he turns in a good performance. Like, he's really good in that, that role. But it's just nonsense. Like also, no one except one of his closest friends goes to him. Oh, you're looking great. Did you have a facelift? Everyone else sees Conor McLeod. Like John C. McGinley goes sees Conor McLeod and goes, oh, "I thought you'd be like dead by now because you're so old." Looks about thirty, like, and he's not phased by this. It's absolute madness. Oh. It's it's a lot of madness. We haven't even got to the bit when they get shot like four hundred times. That which is vicious. That is, that is... Oh, we haven't talked about Sean Connery's suit fitting, which takes up ten percent of the film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such a, such a random bit. Uh, but also like that, he looks good at the end of it. That is a nice. <laughs> he does. He does. Nice suit. To be honest, I bet he got to keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god! And then he gets on the train the and flirts. Yeah. Oh my god. There's so many things now. It's I feel like I've repressed a memory and then like mm. I've gone to therapy and they've gone just talk about it. And it's like, oh my God, then there's this and then there's this and then there's this. It's a little bit pervy, this film. I didn't like that. Felt quite uncomfortable with the uh, how they just come back to life or get young and they're both just instantly horny. Yeah, you would be. Ah, Virginia Madsen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh my God. There's so many things that... Can just... someone Can someone explain the end to me? Because I've got no clue what happens. 
<laughs> well, like Matt, Matt said, he threw a panini in there and yeah. he blew up. See, it was a human panini. <laughs> Which, again, I didn't get because he was mortal by the time he steps into the light beam because he's killed the guy and he's gone through the quickening. The quickening, which is now magic, which the aliens... No, the quickening is now a bond between uh, Sean it's Connery... Also, it's also magic that can... <laughs> hey, we're designing this... Um, we've got this new company. Imagine Google doing this. We've got this new company. Yeah, it's going to be a young, fun company. We're going to have this massive boardroom that's weird and creepy as fuck. We're going to have all this tech. We're going to have a prison underneath it. What? We're going to have a prison underneath it. Okay, we we legally allowed to do that? Don't worry, we control literally the planet now. We've got this device, so we'll have security that literally will kill anyone. And oh, yeah. We'll have the prison. A lot. Okay. Um... <laughs> How are we going to put some air? We'll put some ventilation shafts in. But there'll also be death traps. Okay. Sh- who's designing this? The fucking architect from Resident Evil? Do you have like <laughs> seven crests to get through that prison? Like, yeah, yeah. absolutely mad. And then Sean Connery's like, don't worry. I can be magic. Okay. He's a sorcerer, Matt, now. On honestly, Zeist. Honestly. Which, the whole film is Sean Connery trying to get to Conor McLeod, right? Yeah. And as soon as he gets to Conor McLeod, he dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, 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 the whole Sean Connery stuff is just all pointless. Yeah. It's neat. There's an episode <laughs> of 24 that always sticks with me. And it just reminds... Sean Connery's story in that reminds me of in series one of 24, there's an episode where Kim gets chased by a mountain lion and there's no reason for it. And that is how Sean Connery fell in that film. They clearly wanted Sean Connery back because he has some gravitas to the film. Mm-hmm. He's like, when he's sword fighting, he's like, I'm not going to learn this. <laughs> I know some stage sword fighting. Let's do that. Um, I'm going to laugh all the way through it. And that at least gives me a little bit of joy in this film. But again, like I say, if you took away the Highlander connection and you just made this like Immortals from the Planet Zeiss, that's a cult film. That is a cult film. The co- the, the chemistry between... Stephen Lambert and Stephen Lambert. Uh, Stephen Lambert. <laughs> Stephen Lambert. Chris- Christopher Lambert. Sorry, Christopher Lambert. Yeah. <laughs> and Sean Conner- Connery is good though because yeah. they are they were actually friends, weren't they? Yeah. They did actually genuinely. Chris- like Christopher each other. Lambert is apparently one of the nicest guys. If you have, if you ever want a deep dive, re- read about the making of Mortal Kombat. There's a really good article from about ten years back where he really got behind Mortal Kombat, and Mortal Kombat is fascinating so i can't remember exactly how but the guys who made it i think were djs or something and they pitched for Mortal Kombat and got it and it like they say they're really out of the depth but they wanted to do it and they end up making the film and it's obviously run to budget and stuff like that so they're trying to cut corners so they've gone out to film on location and christopher lambert's agent has basically said uh if you want christopher to fly out there you need to give us this much money and they're like we literally can't stretch to that so we'll get a stunt double in to do the wide shots of the fights and we'll just do the close-ups of the fights in studios with him Christopher Lambert finds out about this and goes absolutely you're not going to do that flies himself out there on his own money does all the shots on location stuff like that they all get sick as fuck on the shoot it's really like fun but they go so to the budget that at the end they're like okay, we uh, we can't have a rap party, we don't have the money. So Chris Lambert goes, well, we can, I'll pay for it. And he pays for a rap party, and they have a rap party in Mortal Kombat, and everyone just really bigs him up. And it always made me go, yeah, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Oh. 
Makes me feel bad for the last half an hour of slating. We've just done. <laughs> we never slated Chris Lambert. No, we never no. slated any of the performances. It all the reason this is my most hated sequel is because again, exactly what I was talking about with Prometheus. You've took your law and you've just shat on it. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like. There are so many sequels out there that are generally bad films. They're badly made because I don't even think this film is badly made. Like, there's a lot of questionable choices in it, but I don't. I think like. They put stuff into it, and they did think it through, and there are some beautiful bits. Like I say, that shot in the opera is great. All the design of it, all the sound of it. But you've took something that is so specific and then gone, oh, we just want to make money off this name. And I hate yeah. that. It's, mm-hmm. it's completely studio-based. It's, it's exactly what a lot of the DC films do now, and they're, they're starting to get better at is with James Gunn and stuff, is they would rather make money off the, the sort of... Um, what's it called the IP then yeah let people put their voice into it and let people really make something good and that that's what it all falls down like when you look at the suicide squad compared to like justice league like the the studio cut that came out I've not watched the Snyder version I'm never going to um <laughs> like when you it's look at it's very long the Su- <laughs> yeah the suicide squad is probably my favorite superhero film but again it's it does great. exactly what I was talking about with aliens you go in there you get enough of the characters to understand them, even if you're not seeing any of the other bits of franchises, and you'll follow them through this absolutely insane adventure. And they will all rub up against each other and they'll all be their personality, but not one point do they have to announce who they are. They just live it and they go through from start to finish and stuff happens on the way that means where they started isn't where they can end. And it's a perfect like example of someone who has a vision for something, seeing it through, but... Not only that, given the backing to do that. Because I think a lot of times mm. we think that the failure of filmmaking is because someone didn't think it through. But so often it is because studio pressure, because of money and stuff like that. Whereas if you trust these people who are at the top of their game, they're going to turn in something incredible. And that's that's what happened with, with Highlander 2. It was all the studio essentially said, nope, that's it, you're finished. Yeah, exactly. You know, halfway, they hadn't finished the movie, yeah. essentially. And the studio was like, no, no, we'll just make it with what we've got. It's fine. Yeah. We'll put yeah. it together. Exactly. Well, you and, can tell because it's only an hour and 25 minutes. Yeah. It made 50, it's, it's to date, as in like, not, not, in its, not its initial release, as in from when it was released until 30 years later, it's made $15 million. What did you say and it was? Thirty-four million. Thirty-four million to make. Wow. <laughs> Aliens was only eighteen, but it was only five years earlier as well. Yeah. So. Aliens cost eighteen million. Crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy. It's amazing. Yeah, but yeah, again, like I, I only hate it because of what I loved before it. That's the only reason I dislike it. It's nothing. And that's to, fair enough. Yeah, nothing to do with like I think this is a bad film or anything like that. It's because take something amazing and stupid and and. And yeah. personal to you yeah. as well. Yeah, it takes my comfort food and yeah. it puts mm. a shit in the middle of it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> what has you been most surprised in sequel? Oh, that is a question. So, for example, you you mentioned the Suicide Squad, which is definitely yeah, I guess, a sequel. I guess, yeah. That's like, yeah, 100% that. Um, but again, I knew that was going to be good going in because of the way they suddenly trusted James Gunn. Like, yeah. Hundred percent. If you had me watch the Suicide Squad and Suicide Squad back to back, after coming out of Suicide Squad, I'd be like, I don't think I can stomach another of these, because again, and there, is, I feel really bad for a lot of these the people like, there's so you know what, three hundred, four hundred people work on a film like that, and they go mm. in there, and yeah, it's like 
The only way I can imagine it is if you've got a vision for something. It's like being a parent and then your boss goes, oh, your baby's too cute. I'm going to just tattoo on its face. And you'd be like, what? And you're like, yeah, now your kid's got this tattoo on its face. You'd be like, oh, so everyone's going to look at my kid now and just go, why has that kid got this tattoo on his face? That's what I think studios are like. They take something that could be beautiful and pure and they just... (laughs) Draw a dick on it. Like, yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think studios are even worse than that. And it's like your boss going, I think your baby's too cute. I'm going to tattoo my company logo on yeah. his face. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, that, it's that sinister, <laughs> isn't it? Also, yeah. uh, if this baby doesn't make me enough money, you're never having a baby again. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're a woman director. Yeah. You'll yeah, never yeah. work at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like that. If you're a man, you might fall up a bit. You'll be fine. Yeah, but yeah. That's it. I'll stick with Suicide Squad. I'll keep that one quite concise because, yeah, we talked about it. Well, let's move on to your dream sequel. Mm. Uh, where did you finally land on this one? I'm still torn on this. We'll go through them all then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we can do all three. So, it's all right. <laughs> two of them, I'm really... Because they nearly happened. So the two that nearly happened that I really would love to see are, would be a third Kill Bill film or as I view it, Kill Bill 2, because technically it's part mm-hmm. one and part two. And it was written as one part. I um, mm. really randomly, um, a while ago, I was doing a job, and uh, it was the guy who I was working for was a editor uh, in a publishing house, and they do a lot of the scripts. And they got quite often get the scripts before the films are released so they can get them out in time for the film. And originally, mm. the film was one, uh, just one shot through instead of part one, part two, it's just one film. And he said the emotional punch when you found the kid was alive at the end was so big because she'd been through the entire film. And it basically they added in that sort of bit of Bill on his chair and you don't see him going, does she know that her daughter is still alive? Like that was added in to give you like a, oh my God, I'm coming back for the second one. Mm. So like I see Key Kill Bill as one film. I'd, I'd always watch it as one film because I think it's, I love Tarantino. Like I know a lot of people torn on him, but I think he's just—he understands what he's doing, and he's—he's he's just makes makes fun films. Really, exactly that sort of stuff. I would have loved at the video shop. Those real genre B movies on an A sort of movie level. Well, you must yeah. have rented a few of them with Nan. Right? <laughs> uh, no, uh, by that point, uh, we'd found a video shop that was uh, half an hour walk and would rent us anything. So uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, I, I would have loved it because the, they were touting the idea, weren't they? That uh, I can't remember what she's called now, but uh, Thingy Hawk, who's in Stranger Things, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter. Um, yeah. She was going to be the daughter and it was going to be all about, um, you know, people coming after uh, Uma Thurman for revenge and stuff like that and her daughter growing up and what that sort of thing. You know, a real sort of mm. legacy film passing on the torch, which... Um, I, I, I mix on legacy films. You probably guessed earlier I didn't like the Matrix one, but then I love the Ghostbusters one. I think done well, it can sort of really work. And I think Kill Bill, it's the perfect time now between Kill Bill, the original, and when this film could exist. And I think yeah. it's got such a short window to exist. And it was looking like it was going to happen. And then there's a news story at the end of last year where Uma Thurman said, oh, I don't think this can happen. And no. I, I want that to be like, you know, smoke and mirrors, and then in a year they go, "Hey, guess what?" We but it, <laughs> given everything that's gone on with obviously Hollywood and stuff, we won't talk about because it's awful. But with Miramax and all that stuff, yeah, I don't think it can exist. Yeah. 
But I would love no, to see I, that I don't film. think I don't think Uma Thurman wants to do it again, does she? No, she, I don't think I so. I don't think she had a good time on the on the on the shoot in the first one. Yeah, she did a backing on one of an accident driving a car. Or yeah, something. I think she had footage on YouTube. I think somewhere. I think it was a little worse than that as well. I think it was the uh, mm. older again. Oh, men in Hollywood <laughs> in the 90s. Uh, which is a very twee way of uh, summarising something that I don't think we want to get into because we all nope. know how horrible it is. But yeah, I would love to see that film. Like, I, I, There's a lot of Tarantino because one of my other sequels that we'll never see, I really want to see the Vega Brothers film, which is yeah. uh, Vincent Vega and uh, what's he called? I can't remember his actual... But Mr. Blonde. Vic Vega, is Vic it? Vega, yeah. Vic and me, yeah. Um, well, yeah, and again, really weirdly, at the because Comic Cons, I interviewed Michael Madsen, and he always he talked about how he always wanted that to happen and stuff. Mm. Well, I bet he would, yeah. Yeah, I just think it'd be a great film, but again, we've probably missed the window unless you recast it. And I think recasting it would be a detriment, like because one we know from Pulp Fiction, Vincent Vega dies, so you have to go back in time. You can't go forward, so they can't be old brothers. Like you can't do that. No. They both no. die, don't they? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah, well, of course he yeah. does, don't he? Yeah, uh, spoilers. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fine. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would have loved to see what that film was, just because those brothers are so different, and you can already imagine the sort of rivalry and attention between them, and you already know the starting life they had to get them into those things. Like they go into exactly the same thing, but one is a brute, and one is like thinks he's a slick guy, but essentially they're both dumb gangsters who had just mm. you know got the will to go that a little bit further I think that yeah. would have been an interesting thing plus you know do you reckon Quinton's done a written a script for that I reckon he has somewhere in his treasure trove. I reckon yeah. 100% and if not there's like a very detailed treatment with the songs already plotted out uh, so definitely yeah. but yeah I, I would love to see that because again but again it just can't exist now I think once she got past about 2002 I think that film would have felt very outside his time because again with those early Tarantino films they're very of their time like what they do for the f- like filmmaking scene they are the the apex predators of sort of that boom of 90s indie filmmaking like mm. they are such a sort of Hollywood game changer that to then go back to it sort of post sort of yeah 2002 to 2005 I think you would have been like oh why have you gone here like given mm. especially how his filmmaking evolves and stuff and we can all talk about as soon as he, I can't remember what the editor's name is, but once they split ways, they're always about 20 minutes too long. Uh, like those early films are so sort of succinct and sort of death proof. Death proof. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only one I don't like. And I don't hate it. I just, no, nope. I'd never, it's just, never seen. I think he believed his own yeah. hype, but I, uh, yeah. but I mean, yeah. again, he's making something to a jewelry probably didn't pick. So I find that interesting because Grindhouse was very much the selling point. It's the ta- like because I I love Planet Terror. I think Planet Terror is one of the most perfect B movies to exist. I think it's it understands itself so well. Um, but again, like a lot of people fall out with Tarantino his later work. But I, I I have a real love for Hateful Eight. I think Hateful Eight is beautiful. I think yes, yeah, long, but I think it's really well paced at the same time. I think again, everything I love, the characters never introduce themselves they always have this sort of way of either they're they're known by the other characters or their character is cocky so they will introduce themselves or you unfold mm. them i think it's a real good character piece in a again a contained environment i think i understand tarantino more 
because I since I watched the good, the bad, and the ugly, which I, the, to my yeah. shame hadn't seen until not long ago. And I think as soon as I watched the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I was like, ah, oh, I get him now. I get Tarantino now. I get what he's trying to do. You know, yeah, he's yeah. he's essentially trying to be Sergio but Leone again. Like our generation <laughs> of filmmakers, we grew up with people like Tarantino, and that's what's informing us. Like, uh, you know, that's what we see now. A lot of people, you, you understand what they watch. I mean, we, you know, our generation, we see more films now that just wear what they are on their sleeves. This exists because of that. Whereas Tarantino mm-hmm. and people like Edgar Wright, you can feel their love for film come before yeah. our generation was very openly like we all love film we all talk about it like I remember like just being younger I'd always find the person who loved film and we just talk for hours about film now everyone talks about film and everyone's a bit sort of entitled to it and it's a, it's weird but like if you look at Edgar Wright and every idiot's got a podcast yeah, yeah, <laughs> we all do but if you, if you look at Edgar Wright like his first thing a fistful of um Dimes, is it? Um, which I've never seen. Fistless Fingers. Oh, yeah, something. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it is, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's uh, when you, you realise, like, just his love for Westerns and, and Hot Fuzz is so much a Western. It's so much, like, it, it, it very much is that sort of, yeah, spaghetti Western. And I think mm. it's just, is that thing, isn't it? That's what people who love film of that sort of mm. 90s to early noughties generation of filmmakers that came up. Yeah. They wanted to make something because I think there is a thing. I think a lot of creative people, certainly in film, certainly in music, I think we're all trying to make something for um, what would the teenage or the kid version of me want to watch. I think everyone makes that. Like, what film did blew my mind? What feelings do I have come through me when I think about the nostalgia of film, which very much film becomes as you get older. And I think yeah. that is what that sort of thing exists. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I would make my other sequel, The Nightmare Before Christmas 2. <laughs> and if my granddad was still alive, he would watch it five times back to back. Uh, but yeah, uh, I wish that film existed. It's going to be a book, apparently. Uh, yeah. yeah, we just found that out. Yeah. Do, you not, do you not think Disney and Tim Burton might hook up again? I'm hoping so. I'm hoping the book does well and then they realise the potential of it. But I mean, the weird thing is I wouldn't have done a Christmas sequel since I was a kid, since I fell in love with that film, and I love that film, I've always wondered, like, what happens if Jack went through one of the other doors? Yeah. There's other holidays. Mm. I would love to see A Nightmare Before Easter or A Nightmare Before... yeah, Even A Nightmare Before Halloween. Like, go meta. Like, have something happen. You know, something or... Something threatens all the holidays. It's such a... We talked about it before, didn't we, Dave? Like a rogue tooth fairy or yeah. you know, something like... Something like that. Because <laughs> Oogie Boogie as a villain is a great villain, but Oogie Boogie is, like completely of Oogie Boogie's nature. Like, why Oogie Boogie is seen as bad in a place where bad is seen as good? It's yeah, really yeah, weird. Yeah. Like, Oogie Boogie should rule Halloween Town. He's not sentimental. He just wants to fuck shit up. That is great. <laughs> great, actually. I think he would have... I think Oogie Boogie would have given us things that Jack couldn't if we were in Halloween Town. But yeah, I think seeing an actual, like... Because Oogie Boogie is a threat to Christmas. I would love to see, like... What is the threat to that town of these weird yeah. Halloween creatures? There's so much. Like, there's so many. Like, th- But this is the danger, isn't it? Like, something so perfect, why do you want more of it? Like, Nightmare Before Christmas doesn't need a sequel. It can exist perfectly so. And the same way Beetlejuice uh, is probably getting a sequel. It doesn't need one. It's so perfect where it is. Like, mm. do- I still don't believe that's going to happen. 
I didn't. I've not even heard of that. Yes. Yeah, no. There's been news. I think this, this. Yeah. They're they're really trying to get that hype train started. Uh, yeah. Oh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> but yeah, would it be Michael Keaton again? Yeah. Which Keaton at the moment is he's having a renaissance. I, I don't think there's anything mm. that man can do wrong. I can't wait to. I would. I never watched Flashpoint, but knowing that Keaton's going to be old Batman, I'm like, I'm totally yeah. in. I'm I mean, so if I had to give you a choice to pick one of your three dream so you got Kill Bill 3 yeah. we're going to do a Vincent Vega the Vega brothers yeah. but we're going to do Irishman style we're going to you know make <laughs> yeah, them yeah, 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 de-age yeah. them again but do it properly so they don't look 50 uh, maybe just make them wear normal shoes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and then A Nightmare Before Christmas 2 oh. but another holiday which one would you most want to watch I definitely go with Kill Bill Kill Bill 3. I definitely want to see what Tarantino and Uma Thurman would do with that. 100%. Uh, like, just talking about it then, I realised how much that film would work. Because, so, again, I think The Nightmare Before Christmas is so perfect. I don't want something to sully it. So I'll leave mm-hmm. that as it is. Yeah. And The Vega Brothers, it's too far beyond. But I would love that to exist and it'd be called Vivas, Viva Las Vegas. And it's set in Vegas. Oh, nice. That's, that's how I'd like that to pan out. It's a casino heist yeah. film with The Vega Brothers. There you go. Maybe in Kill Bill 3, it's a film, something like, the, or they combine. Can't, can't exist. Tarantino has two universes, doesn't he? He has the universe which the Vega Brothers and the Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction characters live in, and he has the films that they would watch. I believe Kill Bill is one of the uh, films that they would watch. Uh... He's threatened. He's, I think he's going to stick to it. He's only going to make one more film? Is that what he's threatening? Well, he, he, always, he, only wants... he always said when directors run out of testosterone, uh, they lose their charm, which now is a, a horrible sentence for, you know, like, oh, that aged, mm. aged very bad, didn't it, Tarantino? Uh, <laughs> but I, I, there is something about, I do think, take testosterone out of it, but I think there is something about people being hungry and passionate. And I think saying something like that is a stupid thing because... Tarantino is the sort of person that someday is going to wake up in the middle of the night and he's he's, he's compulsive. He's going to have an idea that he can't make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, be interesting. I, cause some, like, I quite like watching like um, the evolution of filmmakers. The best ones are the ones that don't stick to what they know. They evolve beyond it. Like actors, like you just mm. get better and better. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd be, You're right, yeah. yeah. Screw it. Keep, there's enough in, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Make Highlander 6, please, Tarantino. Those were Matthew Heighton's Unequal Sequels. What a top guy, honestly. What a lovely, filmy, geeky guy. I could have chat with Matt for ages. I was like, he's my new best friend. <laughs> um, and it was lovely to talk about his picks. Aliens again, which is always worth talking about, yeah. is is one of the best sequels ever so it's very obvious but i was so excited to talk about highlander 2 with you what a big old load of shit <laughs> because if anyone hasn't doesn't know what's going on basically me and rich were on an episode of flicks watcher yeah check that out and we had to watch highlander i love highlander he hates highlander now uh and he had never seen highlander 2 no he has now seen Highlander 2 it is a big puddle of shit i will say this for highlander 2 it makes highlander look better I agree with that, but Highlander is is a classic and it is worth watching again and again. Highlander 2 is, again, one of those sequels I thought was going to come up much earlier on this podcast. Mm. But it has not. And here we are today finally talking about it. It It was great. 
Uh, great stories about him renting and renting things with his nan from the antique shop. Love that. And getting um, the Highlander 2 recommendation from his neighbour. It was all great stuff. And then his dream sequel is one we've... I think everyone's been wondering if it ever happened, is Kill Bill 3. Yeah. Another one I thought would come up a lot, actually. Another one yeah. I, thought, I thought people First would be time. picking Kill Bill 3 as a, as a dream sequel because it's kind of... Yeah, like you say, it has kind of been teased a few times isn't it in real life yeah um and as by by tarantino yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they set it up it's like yeah i've got this plan for when uh the bride is daughter and the bride's older and the woman that she, he killed in the first kill bill's daughter comes back for revenge she even says come back and see me in 20 yeah, years yeah. and we can settle this kind of thing so mm. i don't know but yeah talking to matt was so it really good. was hilariously yeah, he's, funny he's 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 very very funny do check him out it's matt he- matthew Hyten. you'll you find him on twitter and you can see his incredibly funny videos if you like movies uh he does some really cool things with with clips of movies and changing music and soundtracks and stuff you know it's it's very yeah. funny free i've got to mention quickly is especially the highlander music and intro over the telecovers <laughs> works surprisingly well his mix up of predator and the ewoks yeah, that's good is genius <laughs> and then recently he's done one where the end of the return of the jedi again but the ghostbusters turn up <laughs> yeah i've seen that yeah that's also brilliant i like um he, he does one of uh, close encounters it's like what if close encounter what if humans couldn't do music in close encounters oh, that's so a really good, good yeah, one yeah, too. Yeah. yeah anyway check out his stuff he's amazing he's really really cool um and if you like what you've heard today, because, you know, it was brilliant, so why wouldn't you? You can go back and listen to all our other episodes. If you're, if you're a big fan of Matt and you've just tuned in for the first time, think, wondering what all this is about, then we've got a whole other series, two other series, and the whole rest of this series for you to listen to. We've got guests like Sean Walsh and Helen O'Hara and Nick Helm and loads and loads of other people that are just as brilliant and just as wonderful. Go back and have a listen to those. There's even little... Uh, extra episodes on Fridays in between to keep you keep you entertained. Uh, so yeah, click the little subscribe button. You'll get us every week, sometimes twice a week if you're lucky. And uh, yeah, keep listening. Tell your friends, tell your nan, tell people down the shops. That'd be lovely. Also, while you're doing it, if you wouldn't mind just clicking on the little like or a little heart or a little five stars or even dropping us a cheeky little review telling us how much you love us and how wonderful we are, We'd, well, I mean, we'd really like that. We'd be very grateful. We would love that. We are on Twitter and Instagram at unequalsequel and at unequalsequel. And if you want to email us and just say, hey, guys, you're doing a cracking job. I really appreciate <laughs> being in your ears. I don't know where I'm going. Anyway, we have a hotmail. It's called... I mean, I know we want to talk about how badly that went. <laughs> just thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I will see you next week. So bye. Bye. And. Oh, God, you've got to stop doing byes that make me laugh. And it's a bye from him. (laughs) Bye. Have a fantastic week.